Amen. Good morning, church. Great to see you. Welcome to Union Chapel this morning. <laughs> so glad you're here. And if you've joined us online, thrilled to have you as well. Thank you so much. Hey, I wanted to just, uh, that's exciting news about this medical clinic we're doing this on Saturday. So get the word out. That'll really help us. We would rather be obviously overrun with people than, and, than have a, a small turnout. We have we just have so many resources lined up to help people, so I know it'll be meaningful. So thanks for your help with that. Thanks for helping with uh, all the invitations you provided last week for Easter. We had five services on our campus. We did have over 3,000 people on our campus, uh, uh, hundreds more watching online. Uh, we, we had over 3,700 people who joined us in our services then here at Union Chapel. All of the churches we've been planting uh, we put, them, put the numbers all together, over 10,000 people worshiping in the churches we planted, numbers of people making decisions for Christ. Last week, we, we had 20 people scheduled to be baptized in those five weekend services, and we baptized those 20, and we also had 20 spontaneous baptisms in addition to that, and so we're just thrilled about what God is doing. So thank you so much for that. Today I have a really simple little sermon. It's kind of a cool down from Easter. Uh, the sermon is entitled, How to Listen to a Sermon. Now, now, you, now you may be, well, that's pretty self-serving. He's trying to get us to pay attention. Well, I am trying to get you to pay attention, but it's, it's a lot more than that. Uh, I want to especially appeal to, to folks who are relatively new to the church. We have lots of new folks, you know, two years or less who have been attending by the way, uh, churches grow, churches that are growing grow on the edge. And by that, I mean that, that most people who are so enthused about the church, enthused enough to invite their friends and associations to join them at church, which helps the church to accumulate more people, uh, are people who have been in the church, involved with the church for two years or less. So the longer you're in a church... Um, the more fat and sassy and lazy you get uh, in, the, in the church, and you're not as enthusiastic and therefore not as invitational. So I want to appeal especially to folks who are relatively new to the church because uh, for those of you who've been in church maybe your whole life and you've been around here for a while, you just take things for granted. You know how things work. You understand the culture. But folks who are new don't understand our style here, our culture. And folks who are brand new to church who've never been in church before, how are you supposed to know what to do, how to do it. For example, we were going to give away a brand new Ford Bronco to anyone who sat on the front row of this section today, and no one sat there. And so, but how would you know if you're not here for a while? Things like that. Now, let me just, let me talk about this sermon just for a moment. Um, I am a 50-year student of preaching. I pay attention to people who preach well. I listen to good preaching and I, I'm a student of preaching. Uh, I work hard at preaching. Now, I know what you're thinking, but think how bad it would be if I wasn't working at it. <laughs> and not only uh, do I uh, try hard at preaching, I realize that uh, preaching is one half of the dynamic. The other half is the participation with the preacher. There is a responsibility that you have in the preaching environment as well. You have a spiritual responsibility, you have an intellectual responsibility to, 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 to be open enough to actually hear something that God may be trying 
to communicate with you. Now, I'm not trying to lay all the responsibility on you. I know that the principal part of preaching falls on me. If I, if I trot out a little dog of a sermon, that's, that's on me. If I'm not prepared, if I'm not prayed up, if God's hand isn't on me as I do it, that's on me. But there is a responsibility all, all of us share. I'd like for us to look at a, a, a verse of scripture from Jesus himself that will give us some insight into the subject. I hope it'll be an encouragement to you. It's in Mark's gospel, chapter four. Mark's gospel, chapter four, verses 21 to 25. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Of course, we will project the words on the screen. We have a custom to stand to honor God's loving authority of his word in our lives. Thanks for doing that as you're able. So Jesus said, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed instead? Don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. Now, now look at this phrase. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. This is, a, this is a verse, this is a phrase that is reoccurring in the New Testament. Jesus uttered this phrase often. If anyone has ears, let him hear. Verse 24, then he said, consider carefully what you hear. Now let that soak in. He continued, with the measure you use, that is the measure of hearing that you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Then verse 25, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now let's spend a few minutes to try to understand what Jesus is saying to us so we can be better listeners of a sermon, okay? You may be seated. Thanks so much. There are different kind of public speaking, preaching styles. We're all familiar that there are different approaches to it. I heard a story, uh, this is back in the day, this is back when, when you, you went to the bank, the teller, uh, the tell, teller window had bars, you know, in front for security, and there was a good old boy who had been keeping all of his money in a sock under, under the mattress for years, and he decided, I'm going to take my money to the bank. So he goes to the bank, and he makes a deposit and opens the account, and then he goes home. And it's not long after that, he kind of lost his nerve, and he decided, I need my, I need my money back. And so he goes back to his bank, and he says, I want my money. And the teller says, that's great, that's fine, all you have to do is fill out this withdrawal slip, sign it, we'll give you your money. He said, I don't want to sign anything. I refuse to sign. Well, in order to get your money, you have to give some kind of signature so that we can record that you've received your money. I'm not signing anything. I demand my money. They call out the manager. He tells them the same thing. And he finally, in frustration, leaves. He goes across the street to another bank. He goes in there and he says, my bank won't give me my money. Well, the teller at that bank says to the good old boy, listen, all you have to do is write a check to cash, endorse it, we'll honor your account at the other bank and give you your money. I'm not signing anything. I, re I refuse to sign. Well, apparently he caught that, that teller on a bad day because that guy reached through the bars, grabbed the good old boy by the lapels and yanked him forward like this into the bars with such force he bloodied his nose. The teller says in anger, he said, I told you, all you have to do is write the check to cash, endorse it, we'll give you your money. 
And the good old boy meekly said, well, okay. He signs the check. They give him his money. He goes back across the street and he said, the bank across the street gave you my money, see? And the manager of his bank said, look, all you had to do was fill out the withdrawal slip. Why in the world would you fill out a check over there, but you wouldn't fill the slip over here? And the good old boy looked at him and said, he explained it better than you do. <laughs> it's a long way to go for that, but... I'm tempted to explain things in more detail from time to time when it feels necessary. I'm simply saying that there is a responsibility in the function of preaching that goes beyond the preacher. There's a, there's a partnership, there's a participation that we all engage in a moment like this, and I hope you understand that. So on your outline, if you have your app open, you can see uh, just a few ideas that will, that will help us make preaching work for us. Here's the first thing. Come to worship prayerfully. Okay, here we go, pastor. I could have told you that was going to be the first point. You should be pray, prayed up before you come to church. Okay, I understand. It sounds, it's, it sounds a, little, a little religious. But here's the deal. This point can't be emphasized too much. You should pray for yourself. Pray, pray for me. Pray for ears to hear. That's the phrase Jesus used. Pray for humility of spirit. Because as you know, that's a condition necessary to actually receive from God. Humility. A sense of need. Pray for those around you. Pray for others. Now, I've preached in many places across the country. In fact, I've preached in all corners of the country. I've preached in other countries. And let me, let me just say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you swell a little bit. My favorite place to preach in the world is right here, and it's because of you. Anytime I'm away and come home, I'm really happy to be home, and that's a good sign, isn't it? There are times when I'm preaching to you that I wonder if, if you're listening or you, or you care or, or it's important to you, and sometimes I don't have a good feel for what's happening that way. My wife assures me, and I get feedback that, that confirms to me that you really are careful. You really do want to find a word from God. You're hungry for that. You desire that. You're intent on that. And let me just confess to you that, that even while I feel confused about that sometimes, whether I'm getting through, what I feel more than that is I feel inadequate. I feel the frustration of not being able to communicate with you as well as you're desiring to hear from God. So let me just say the burden of preaching to you is often heavy on me. I can tell you the place in the country where I enjoy preaching the least, and that's in the South. There's something about Southern culture, and of course, Southern culture is wonderful. It's warm. It's hospitable. It's friendly. It's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's got its, its, its own flavor for sure. But it just seems like folks in the South are a little too comfortable with the whole concept of preaching and churchy stuff. I don't know what that's about. I, I, don't, I don't care for it. There, there, are two, <laughs> there are two responses that I always get from people when I preach in a church in the South. One response usually comes with a, with a warm handshake and, and, and maybe a little pat on the hand as well. And someone will look at me after I've preached my brains out trying to help people, you know, take a step toward Jesus. And they'll say something like, I enjoyed that. 
in a little southern accent. I enjoyed that. And I think, that's too bad. Because I wasn't going for it. I enjoyed that. The other response you get, and this is the one that I, I most appreciate, it's when someone shakes my hand and they say, interesting. Interesting sermon. Very interesting. That's when I know I've gotten through. Because a very interesting response in a, in a southern church means that I've been stomping all over them. And they got the point and they didn't necessarily like it. That makes me feel better for some reason. But I don't care for preaching in the south, but I sure like to preach when I'm home. And it's because of you. Jesus is saying is that those who long to hear will actually hear more than those who think they're hearing. This is what we're learning from Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you even more. That's interesting, isn't it? I, uh, I know that the degree to which you posture yourself to hear is really, really important. And so preparing for that is essential. Often people come up to me after I've preached a sermon, for example... And they will say to me, you know, that comment you made about that or that point you made or that illustration you used or that story that you told, that was so meaningful to me. Thank you so much. I, that, that has really helped me and encouraged me, healed me, changed my life. One, you're welcome. And before God, the illustration, they said, you know, when you told that story about that boy and his dog, that was so meaningful to me. And before God, there was no story about a boy and his dog. I think sometimes I'm going crazy. Uh, that illustration you gave about that, uh, you know, about that rainbow. No, no, ma'am. I didn't talk about that. It's interesting. Here's what, I, here's what I think. The Apostle Paul called it this. He said, the mystery of preaching. The mystery of preaching. There's a mysterious, supernatural, spiritual kind of connection that happens that... You know, one human being, the preacher, uh, formulates thoughts, emanates through the vocal cords and out, and, it, and it's sent out there. And then somewhere between where it's sent out from the speaker to the, where the listener hears it, you know, the vibration on the eardrums, the inner ear, and formulating thoughts in your mind. And now somehow it gets energized by the Holy Spirit. It's mysterious. You know, the mystery of preaching Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Really? Someone can hear another human being speak and f the faith in Almighty God can be ignited by that? And e eternal destinies can be altered because of that? It's, 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 it's a wild idea. I mean, when, when you hear it on the surface, you go, ah, that's, not, that's not what's happening. Yeah, yes, it is. So what I've discovered, for example, today I'm preaching a little, doing a little teaching on this. And what's happening, though, is that as many people who are here to hear it and listening online are as many different sermons that are being preached today. I can preach one sermon, and there may be 500 people hear a different sermon. Every individual, through the filters of your life and experiences, are actually hearing things that, that the Holy Spirit can customize just for you. It's fascinating. It's the mystery of preaching. But the point is that you have to be open to what God is saying. 
one day I was preaching on the guidance of God, and I got off this tangent about falling into the guidance of people who don't even know God and have opinions, but you shouldn't be listening to them. And, you know, I kind of got up on that soapbox. I got real warm about it. Uh, people who uh, refer to horoscopes or the Zodiac or psychic hotlines, you know, spiritualist mediums, this whole paranormal interest that people have in our culture today, especially among the young. And I was just warning against all that. And, I, you know, I got off my notes and, you know, got too passionate about it. Right after that sermon, a woman walked up to me and she said, you are so great. I have never heard such passionate preaching. You must be a Scorpio. I don't know. So Jesus said, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more, he said. So you ask God to help you hear. And you don't bring a little thimble to God and say, Here, here's my cup, Lord, fill my cup. You bring a bigger container. Jesus said the measure that you bring to the hearing is the measure that you will receive. So your level of expectation, your level of anticipation, your, your level of openness and willingness to hear really matters. So if you come to God with just a little bit and say, fill my cup, Lord, inspire me, inform me, and transform my life, and oh, by the way, Lord, please, you know, I've had a rough week, so nothing provocative or challenging or uncomfortable. In fact, if, if you don't mind, the mood I'm in is I'd rather just be safe and funny and entertaining. I sure hope Pastor Greg tells a joke today. Well, no, don't put those limitations. Just open yourself as wide as you can to hear what God has to say. Jesus is teaching us that those who long to hear, watch it, will actually hear more than those who think they're hearing and actually have closed their hearts and mind to new ideas and the application of that truth in their lives. And in addition to that, the last verse of our text today, Jesus said that you'll actually lose what you've already heard if you're not careful to hear. Let me say it another way. Every person in in this room has some knowledge of God. Everyone here has some knowledge of God. But if you don't continue to hear from God, the danger is you'll lose what you have. It's pretty sobering, isn't it? Those of you who are second-generation Christians here, you know, you grew up in a Christian home, your parents were Christians, uh, you've heard sermon after sermon, week after week, service after service, you've been to the youth program 180, you come week after week. Your temptation is to give only a corner, a little portion of your listening to God. You've You've heard it all. You'll measure out your listening to God. Well, I'll listen for a while, and then I'll daydream for a while, like some of you are doing right now. And then I'll send a text, or then I'll talk to my neighbor, or I'll just listen occasionally, and I'll I'll expect to receive a little something from God because, you know, I'm a seasoned veteran of listening to sermons, and I'll just get a little bit and go home. Well, Jesus is saying the truth will go out of you with such an attitude, and you may lose what you have. There, there's, no more, there's no more a dead person in the earth than a Christian who has walked with God in the past but not maintained fellowship with the Holy Spirit and a heart for the Word of God. That's where an amen goes. Am I connecting or... <laughs> Dang it. The power, faith, and reality of, his, of a person's union with God 
can get disconnected because we stopped listening or expecting to hear from God. There's some science that we know about right now with, with regard to social media and Christians. What we know among Christians is that the ratio between ungodly voices that are referenced in, on social media versus Christian voices that are referred to in social media. So the, so the, the, the connection points on social media that Christian people are making with the unchristian and the Christian sides of a worldview is the ratio is 20 to 1. So even Christian people are 20 times li- listening to ungodly voices and, per- and perspectives to one portion listening to godly scriptural Christian voices. 20 to 1. Now, it's pretty easy to predict the future, isn't it? If all we're listening to is what the world has to say and we're not listening to what God has to say. It's very, it's very important. So pray. Here's a second idea. Come to worship hungering for truth. Don't be easily impressed with things that are flashy or fleshy. There are persons who are much better communicators than I am, and there are some who are not as good. That's not really the point. Pray for discernment. Hold me and anyone who's preaching accountable. Expect content and depth and reality. Uh, Not everything that's flashy or loud or well-spoken or funny is from God. Some of it is and some of it isn't. Ask God to help you hear the truth in a discerning way. Pray for discernment. Pray that you might discern the character of the person who's preaching. Pray to discern the motives of of the person, to understand the heart of the person. So you can know the difference between showmanship or manipulation and what God's really trying to say to you. There are too many of us who try to stir up the emotions when when they preach, you know, just get the crowd worked up. There's a place for emotions, of course. I have uh, been part of a denominational system for many years in the past, and I would go to denominational meetings where high officials in the denomination were, were preaching and giving a sermon. And... I finally realized after, after some years that you can be the, the most intellectual, uh, high status, highly recognized leader, very intelligent, very articulate. I've, li- I've listened to sermons, maybe you have too in other places you've been, where someone might preach for 30 or 40 minutes and every sentence sounds eloquent, the vocabulary is impressive, the application uh, is, is just is so well-spoken. And after 40 minutes of someone talking like that, and I pause and ask one simple question, what were they talking about? And my conclusion, I have no idea. I have no idea. Not a clue. Not a hunch. It was pretty. It was eloquent. It was thoughtful. Say nothing. What is the implication? The implication is this is a technique by some folks in that kind of category who are covering up for their own inadequacies, their own lack of faith, their own lack of passion about what they're talking about. This happens all the time. And so I invite you to gauge that, to judge that, to discern that. Get to the heart of it. Get to the character of the person who's, who's speaking. I I'll just I'll make this announcement today in case you're confused about it. I am not personally motivated by the need to entertain you. 
Not even a little bit. Now, there may be some entertainment value occasionally, but that's, I don't, that's, it's, it's not interesting to me. I, I, I'm not interested in making you feel good. Although, I hope you do. But that's not it either. I'm not even, I'm not even motivated to inform you. Although, there's a place for information. My heart is to speak the truth in love. That's it. I want to communicate truth, God's truth, in a loving way. Because truth is what liberates. Truth is what sets you free. Truth is what transforms. And if it's motivated by love, that's what will cause people to listen. The truth spoken in love. And so that's, that's my motive. Sometimes truth is provocative. Sometimes it's challenging. Sometimes it's painful. You know, the old adage, truth will set you free, but first it will make you miserable. There's that. Sometimes truth is affirming, it's comforting, it's reassuring. Sometimes the truth just produces celebration and victory and joy. And, that, and that's a good thing. So we pray God speak to us. God, please speak your truth to us. We're not asking it, we're not asking it to be easy, but we do want it real. We want it straight. We, we want it offered honestly carefully, lovingly. That's what we're after. I may preach the poorest little pitiful sermon you've ever heard, but if you're praying to receive something from God, it could be that God will speak to you in spite of me. That happens a lot. Happens all the time. I know it does. So remember, the preacher can't say everything about the subject every time he preaches. Every sermon may, may only highlight some small facet of the subject, and you may be able to speak more eloquently about it than I do. Remember also, this isn't the only sermon that the preacher has ever preached. And if this week's sermon is a dog, just be patient. Next week may be better. Hope is a good thing, right? Could be better. <laughs> and then resist the cynical. Resist being critical, that, that nitpicky thing, that uh, spirit that watches for tiny little mistakes and not for the overall truth of the message. From time to time, the preacher will mispronounce a word, misspeak, miss a date, historical event. Don't fixate on that. One of our parishioners for years, she was an English teacher. She's in heaven now. And, you know, she was a really good person. But she couldn't, she couldn't shake her English teaching helmet that she wore. So, she wore, so anytime over the years, if I misspoke, if I mispronounced, if I misused a word in context that she did not approve of, she would call me on it. Now, that word you used today, you shouldn't have used. And uh, I said, I think it was okay. No, she said, she said, you used the word apprehend in that sentence, and you should have used the word comprehend. Thank you. You know, and I was always gracious to her. And when she'd leave, I'd think, you know, you should talk to someone who cares. <laughs> About that. <laughs> I asked a young bride at the altar many years ago if she would take this man to be her lawfully wedded wife. In front of family and friends, she said to me, that's not right, is it? I said, no. No, I was just seeing if you were paying attention. I asked the congregation on one occasion, preaching about the crucifixion, to visualize that pressed into Jesus' brow was the throne of corns. Have you ever said something when you know it wasn't quite right, but you weren't sure what it was that wasn't right? The crown of thorns. 
You know, I said it, and then you go, I don't think that was right, but oh well, and you keep going. <laughs> One preacher was trying to make the statement, the devil sits on our shoulder and whispers lies, only he didn't say sits. One preacher was preaching from the book of Revelation and the seven trumpets of God's judgment. Very dramatic. This was a mega church, thousands of people in attendance. Every time he would mention a trumpet blast of God's judgment, his wife would start shaking in uncontrollable laughter. After five or six trumpets, the whole church was laughing out loud. On the way home, he said to his wife, what in the world is the matter with you? Every, every time I would mention the trumpet blast of God's judgment, you would start laughing. And the wife said, well, there's nothing funny about an angel placing the trumpet of God's judgment to his mouth, but you put every one of them up to his ear. You would say, the angel placed the trumpet to his ear and blew. I mean, you don't know the wrath of God till he blows it out his ears. You know, it's, a, it's like the, you, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Instead, sometimes it comes out, you can lead a horse to drink, but you can't make him water. No. So this kind of thing's going to happen. So we should be resigned to it. Don't let it distract from the main point of the message. Don't succumb to a religious spirit. Let me tell you what a religious spirit does. And you want to avoid a religious spirit at all costs in this kind of context. A religious spirit is humorless and also falsely pious. There is nothing worse in the world than a religious meeting without humor and false piety. Everybody pretending to be so buttoned up, nobody has any flaws, no one has any cracks, nobody's going to laugh at anything because, you know, it may be unseemly. Keep it. You can have it. Not interested. No thanks. It's not real. It's not authentic. It's not good. It's not honest. No. If, if you're looking for a, a religious church, you've come to the wrong place. <laughs> you've come to the wrong place. We're not, we're not involved in religion around here. We're interested in people finding a meaningful relationship with Jesus Christ. And then together, we try to make our way all the way to the end in an honorable way. That's what we do. Third point, come to worship without prearranged agenda. This has happened to me a number of times over the years. Most often a woman, a woman catches me in the hallway before church and she says something like this, my husband is here today. I finally got him to come. I dragged, or I mean, I persuaded him to come to church today and he needs to get right with God. So if you don't mind, pastor, would you please be sure to include the plan of salvation in your sermon and if you could mention the evils of smoking. Listen, let God have his way with your husband and everyone else's husband. Just let God have his way. And with the preacher. Stop, stop manipulating around your particular agenda. Remember, there are other people in the, in the room besides you and your family. It could be that the Holy Spirit on some given Sunday is actually pinpoint accuracy with someone else's family or someone else's life. Have you ever sat in a church listening to a sermon? I, this has happened to me when you felt like you were the only person in the room. That guy is talking straight to me. It's like you look down to make sure there's not a bullseye on your shirt. What is happening? Everything he said is exactly what I need. It's amazing, isn't it? It's very interesting, very powerful. 
I can, within minutes of preaching a particular kind of sermon, will have someone standing in front of me, you can imagine this, someone standing in front of me in tears, weeping, sometimes sobbing, sometimes unable to speak. And when they compose themselves, they'll say something like, that sermon today is exactly what I needed to hear. It touched me at, the, at a point in my life. It's, God has used it redemptively in my life. Thank you so much. I don't know what else to say. And, you know, and, they, and they walk away dabbing their face. I can walk 20 steps from that moment and someone else will come up to me and say, hey, when is this series going to be over? <laughs> Welcome to my world. It's fascinating, isn't it? It's just very interesting. I took a friend to a meeting when a guy went off speaking in tongues. You know, I, was, I just took my friend. I was anxious, you know, that he would have, be influenced for Jesus. And some guy, you know, went, kind of went off and started speaking in tongues and carrying, carrying around. I just went, oh, man, I wonder what my friend is thinking. And after the, after the service, he said, what was that? And I said, well, the guy was speaking in tongues. It's a, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's in the Bible. Uh, we could talk more about that. I said, what did, what did you think about it? You know, I kind of braced myself. He said, I thought it was great. Oh, you did? Well, okay, that's fantastic. Here's what I learned from that. I'm not running the universe, and neither are you. God is in control. How about that? Isn't that, isn't that amazing? So we can trust him and rely on him to keep us. Here's the last point I want to make. We're coming in for a landing. Um, come to worship asking to hear at the deepest level. Here's, here's what I mean. Listen to me carefully. I'm going to talk to someone now. No, listen if you can. A person who is, who is worldly in their, in their perspective, fleshly, the Bible would say carnal. You know, you, just, you operate in a, in a worldly view of things. Such a person cannot, hear the word cannot, hear the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit cannot be discerned in the flesh. It's not possible. Here's, here's some example. For example, the extremely intellectual person, a high IQ person uh, in their head all the time, analyzing, you know, if, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. If it's not verifiable scientifically, then it, it's not real. Uh, folks who, who are just very determined about that kind of worldview. The intellectual person, no matter how thoughtful, no matter how bright, no matter how intelligent, cannot, hear the word cannot, discern the deeper things of God. The deeper things of God can only be discerned spiritually, not intellectually. Are you okay with that? I'm just... I'm just telling you the truth. The emotional person, the passionate person, you know, that, that person who's just, that guy, that guy seems to love people better than anybody I've ever seen. Or that woman tends to be enthusiastic and compassionate about her life and ministry and the people around her more than, more than anyone I, I, I've ever known. There's just a very highly passionate people. Listen to me. This, the, the highly passionate, emotional, always, you know, always charged up kind of person doesn't necessarily have any capacity, more capacity to discern the deep things of God. The only way we discern the deepest things of God in our relationship with him is by our spiritual person. It's spiritually discerned. 
The scripture reminds us we can't even interpret the scripture with our own mind and our own feelings. Only with, this, only with the spiritual part. It's discerned spiritually, and only the spiritual person can discern it, interpret it well. Are you following me? I'm talking about hearing from God. So ask God to give you spiritual ears to hear. God, let me hear, let me hear spirit to spirit what you're saying. So we listen graciously and gently and humbly and sensitively, gratefully. We, we're yielded. We're eager to hear from God. So we posture ourselves and we come into the place of worship. And Lord, we pray, we pray for ears to hear. We pray for one another. We pray for the pastor that, that they'll be lucid and clear and truthful and motivated well. But beyond all of that, Lord, I want to hear from you. Has there ever been a moment in your lifetime or mine when there are so many voices obfuscating and confusing and, and, and distracting us from what's good and lovely and pure and gracious and worth repeating, as is true right now in today's culture? Has there ever been a more important time to be able to hear from God? Lord, what do you think about these circumstances? What is, what is your will? What is your word? What is your advice? What is your counsel to us in such dark days, perplexing times? I submit to you, there's never been a more important time to get a fresh word from God on a regular basis than there is right now. Do you agree? So God, give us ears to hear. Amen? Did you get it? Let's pray. Friends, while we're in a posture of prayer now, let me just tell you what else I believe. I believe God has communicated another sermon to many people in this room today. I believe that while I gave that teaching that I just did, because I'm convinced of God's capacity to communicate with people, that I believe it's happened right here today. I believe God has said to somebody, you can't hear from me because you've closed your heart. God has spoken and said you're so filled with anger or resentment, bitterness, judgmentalism, your wounds, critical spirit, that you can't hear me. God may be reminding someone today that you've slammed, slammed the door in God's face. Maybe God has spoken to a wife and said, you're so intent on me speaking to your husband that I can no longer speak to you. Maybe God has spoken to another person here and said, you don't, you don't need to hear another sermon. You've heard enough sermons to save a post-Christian Europe. What you need is Jesus. Maybe you've heard God say, come on home. All who are weak and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Cast all your cares upon me. I care for you. Maybe you've heard God say, all these Christians in this room learning how to listen to a sermon, and you've never said yes to my offer of love and forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So do we pray today, let him who has ears, let them hear. In the name of Jesus, hear the word spoken to your heart this day. Older people, hear the word. Younger, 
This isn't something the parents and adults are doing. Hear the word of God. He's speaking to you. If you're a business person, hear the words of God. Unclog your ears. Listen to God and do what he says. Pastor Greg, hear from God. Listen to God and do what he says. Hear and obey. There's no other way. So Lord, hear our prayer today. Give us ears to hear and the boldness and courage to follow. For Jesus' sake, and everyone who agreed with that prayer, say amen. Would you stand with us? Thank you so much.